All right, I'm going to pray. Let's get into it. God, we want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love and your just everything. Lord, it's, it's, it, it's only, it truly is only by you that we are able to even take a single breath in this, in this life. And so we want to acknowledge you in everything. Lord, we want to look for the beauty. We want to look for truth. And we want to look for the love of God just in, in everyone and everything that we come in contact with. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right. We kind of ended with the idea last week of love your neighbor. And those are, those are kind of words to live by. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty serious thought process to actually love your neighbor. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we actually are living in the freedom that is Jesus Christ. We're living in the freedom that Christ has given to us. But remember we talked about last week, freedom, and you have been called to freedom, and it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. We, freedom is not just the, the end of the journey, but freedom is the journey. It's the choices that we make. It's the, the people that we come in contact with. And in that freedom that we have, it should produce in us this desire to love people, to care for people. And Paul will tell us in Galatians that, that if you are living by the flesh, by a worldly perspective, you are defined, your desires are defined by the flesh, that you, you're not living in the freedom that Jesus Christ has given us. And he's going to give us a cure for the flesh. And that cure is to walk by the Spirit. And so we're going to go to Galatians. We're going to continue in chapter 5. Always do that. Galatians 5, 16 and 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So this whole idea to walk by the Spirit means to allow your life to focus on, to reflect the things of God's Holy Spirit. Because your, your flesh, the, the worldly desires that you have, kind of war against the things that the Spirit would have for you. But when you walk by the Spirit, you can actually be controlled, guided by the Holy Spirit of God, which means, which means that God's will becomes for you because of the indwelling of the Spirit within you. God's will becomes an inward reality to you. And so it's not just something that you hear about. It's not just something that's out there. It becomes an inward reality. And see, the Spirit, it yearns and desires things of the Spirit. But the flesh and the world yearns and desires for just that, things of this world. And this, this is actually a pretty weighty statement. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Because you know what this means? This means that this whole conflict between flesh and spirit, man, you don't get a choice to stay neutral in it. You just can't sit on the fence. It's kind of one or the other. Do you choose to live and walk in a worldly fashion and worldly desires and and passions? Or will you choose to live and walk in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to indwell, penetrate, and move you into different harmonies and rhythms? And I know that very thing causes some tension for you in here. Because you know why? It causes tension for me inside of me because I'm, I'm at best on the fence. And sometimes I jump down and I'm all spiritual and flighty and I'm feeling good. I'm like, praise Jesus, praise the Lord. And everything is amazing. But then I find myself on the other side of the fence going, what am I doing here? What did I do again? But I got good news for you. You see, the Spirit can and will overcome our fleshly desires. But it's it comes from a, a position that we would surrender ourselves to God. That we would begin to give up control to the leading and the following of the Spirit. And then when we begin to do that, we begin to plant our feet firmly on the foundation and the freedom that is Jesus Christ. And things begin to change and things begin to get different for us. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not here to tell you that, oh, after that happens, it's like a light switch and the battle between spiritual and flesh will not rage on in you anymore. That's not the case. See, there's always going to be that temptation. There's always going to be that pull back into the bondage that, that is of the world. There's always going to be threats to our freedom. And Paul is actually going to tell us what some of those threats are in this very chaotic list in Galatians. In fact, he's going to list 15 of them, 15 things that could just ruin and suck the freedom right out of our lives. So let's, let's take a look at those 15. These are the acts of the flesh. I'm sorry, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty stern warning to the church. He's writing to the church. And so we have, we have, and not only are these going to rob us of our freedom, but remember we talked about last week that these are the exact things that take place when we, as the church, begin to bite and devour one another as he warns us not to. And so sexual immorality takes our God-given sexuality and removes any and all divine intimacy from it and destroys it. Impurity takes God out of just the everyday things in life. And it removes the holy just from everyday good things. Debauchery. I love that word. I mean, I don't love debauchery. I just, it's like debauchery. It, it separates celebration from godly community. 
and you end up with the Jersey Shore. Just saying. You can tell I love that show. Idolatry. When you make God, when you make something but God, God in your life. When your job becomes your God. When your finances become your God. When that relationship becomes your God. And it talks about, what's he use here? Witchcraft. Oh, that's a good one. Witchcraft. The original word in the Greek for whatever that word was in the Greek that's translated to witchcraft or sorcery meant the, the use of medicine or drugs for the good to heal. And then somehow it got twisted and, and then it was used for the use of medicine or the abuse of medicines or drugs to hurt or to poison instead of heal. Poison instead of heal. Hatred takes just an... In, in, what happened? No, go back. Good, see it right there. Hatred takes indignation out of the context of righteousness, and it just creates violence. Jealousy, discord, the perversion of healthy desires and healthy admirations, and it just brings it to a place of ungodly competition. Fits of rage. You're just a jerk and bad-tempered. I don't know how else I can say that. Selfish ambition. Well, it's all about you, what you want, and you're going to do whatever you can do to get what you want. Dissension. It's something that brings chaos. Factions. It's falling away from the community. It's even falling away from, from a good biblical teaching. Envy. Wishing somebody ill will because they have something that you want and you just can't seem to get it. Drunkenness. Self-explanatory. Orgies. Self-explanatory. And if you don't know what that is, I, I urge you not to Google it because it will take you down a road you don't want to go down. All right? These are the things that remove freedom from the life of a Jesus follower. And these, there's no freedom in any of these things. They pretend to set you free. They pretend you, it makes you think that you're free. But there is absolutely nothing that's free in it. Because freedom should produce in each one of us love for our neighbor. And a love for God. And this is just a loveless list of indulgences of the flesh. But Paul's not going to leave us there. He's going to talk to us about, he's going to share with us what the Spirit looks like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. God bless you, Jonathan. Good to have you back. Remember, now, I owe, I owe a lot of my thoughts here to uh, Eugene Peterson, great writer. I recommend any of his books, including the message. Um, Eugene Peterson, he, he, he gave this example. He said, remember, remember when you were kids? No? I'm so sorry. And, 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 and you had coloring books and crayons, right? 
And, and you used to color in those coloring books and crayons. Depending how old you were, maybe your mom and dad or, or grandparent or somebody, or maybe even you did this, and you, and you did it to your kids. And the kids are coloring, they're getting all down there, and they got the, the Crayola box of 64 with the little sharpener in the back. Remember that? And they all used to break the crayon. You used to always get aggravated. At least I always got aggravated. I guess that's my issue. But anyway, so you're coloring, and remember you were told, stay in the lines you got to stay in the lines. In the lines is good. Out of the lines is bad. In the lines is neat and pretty. Out of the lines is, is kind of ugly and, and, and sloppy. Stay in the lines. And so you were very gently encouraged to color in your coloring book in the lines. I used to outline mine in black just to make sure that because it was easy, harder to go over the, your black outline instead of... I got issues, I told you. Anyway, so I wanted to stay in the lines. But you know what I'm learning in life? Staying in the lines can be really boring. Staying in the lines, it, it's, it can, maybe we can even say it's uncreative. You know, we are all born as creative beings. And I wonder if somehow and in some way we encourage creativity right out of children. Because we're always encouraged to what? To stay in the lines, in your coloring book, at your school, at your house, in your families, with your friends. You should stay in the lines in the law. Just saying. Um, Stay in the lines of of faith. And we definitely want to keep people in line at church. We can't have those types of people infiltrating our ranks. As children, we just want to let go all kinds of color and lines and squigglies. Who cares if Barney is green and not purple? And then we seem to just encourage create creativity right out of life. But let me tell you something. You are all made in the image of God, in the image, in the likeness of God. And God is a creator God, which means God is a creative God. And when we enter into rhythms and harmonies with him through faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? The old is gone and something new is taking place within us. The old is gone, and something new is taking place within us. God, the creator, continues to create in us. Old, gone, new, on its way, baby. That's our creator God. New rhythms, new harmonies. He continues to create new stuff in us, all the time, and we are encouraged to do the same. That we can be creative beings. And he gives us the freedom, because remember the book of Galatians is about freedom. He gives us the freedom to be creative. And here they are. The freedoms to create. God freedoms, love. You are loved beyond what you can imagine Exactly the way you are right this very minute. Not some new and improved you. God loves you exactly the way you are right in this very minute. And he loves you so much that he doesn't want you just to stay there. 
but he wants to continually move you to the likeness of his son. Joy, guess what? Every all passionate life flows from our creator God to his people. Peace. God can and does work through all of the brokenness in this world and work through all of the brokenness in our lives. Whatever the world can throw at you, God can work in and through and around it. And he can, if you will only give over your life to him, he can bring that into a harmony with himself. And then we got some personal freedoms up here for barons. Patience. Guess what? You get to slow down a little bit in life. You don't always have to run for the finish line. You always don't have to be pressing on to get the results that you have been trying so desperately to get all of the time. And kindness. Guess what? You can take it a little bit easy. You don't always have to play hardball. You don't always have to push. You don't always have to shove. You don't always have to be on top. Uh, goodness. You can respond to the world in the light of the way the world was originally created. Remember God was creating? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's good. You can respond to the world in light of the way it was originally created and not in the brokenness that it is now. You have the freedom of faithfulness. You can stay committed because commitment is rooted. Its foundation is found in God and not your own self-interest. You don't have to get into the power struggle anymore. You are free from the power struggle. In self-control, you can live in a healthy in healthy disciplines. And you don't need to be controlled by the cultural or social tides that just kind of push and pull and ebb and flow around us. These are freedoms that God has given us to be creative and live our life within. Now, you know what's interesting to me, these nine things? They're called fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is yada, yada, yada. Fruit is a very interesting thing. I like fruit. Anybody like fruit? What's your favorite fruit? Kaylee likes, whoo, I've never heard of that fruit, but that's a good one. I mean, I can't imagine. You know, and, and there's so many different kinds of fruits. Peaches is a fruit. It's a fuzzy fruit, but it's still a fruit. And you know what? We can't produce fruits. Like, we can't make fruit. We can't take stuff and put it through a machine, and out comes a fruit. Maybe you can get a fruit roll-up that way, but I'm, I'm not thinking that's fruit coming out the other end. Fruit is created by an organic process. Fruit is created by a process of, of life. We can't produce it. We can't manufacture it. And I'm going to say and make a claim that this fruit that Paul is talking about we cannot produce it. We cannot manufacture it. It is created within us by a process that God begins with faith in His Son Jesus through the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's where this stuff comes from. You don't get to order it online. 
You don't get to order it through a catalog. You get it through the process that God is beginning and continually working in you through faith in the Son and through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. The person who lives by faith and walks, walks in, in, in faith with, with Christ, man, you get to see these things popping up like in the most surprising places. Because it's not about you. It's about what God is doing in you. See, there's more to your life than just what you can see, what you can produce, what, what you think you feel. There's way more to life than that. And it's God's process that produces in us the fruit of his spirit. And you know, just like real fruit, you know, what happens when you leave fruit on a tree too long? It gets ripe and then it gets overripe and it falls and it rots. You see, if we're not engaging what God is giving us, we're just letting it just linger on the tree. The fruit of the Spirit can just drop away and rot away. You see, God's at work in us, but where is your heart to respond to that? It's, it's about living your life with your hands open instead of your hands clenched and your arms crossed. And if, and if, and if the, the natural fruits, the apples and the oranges and the peaches and the papayas, if they bring nutrients to our body, then the fruit of the Spirit of God brings nutrients to our very soul. And then we can go out and share what God is doing in our lives with the rest of the world. We are free to engage the world in a creative, divine force because he gives us exactly what we need to do it. We have been made in the image of a creator, and he turns us loose to do just that. Go out into the world, take the things that he's given us, and create love, joy, Peace, patience, and all of the rest. Every time I hear that, I want to sing the song. Talk about love. You know, you're yeah, right. It was like, oh, down in song. Okay, where was I? Every follower of Jesus sitting here this morning has been given these things to create in the world. Every one of you. Your creative power has not been encouraged out of you. Your creative power has been deposited within you because of the work of the Spirit. And then Paul's going to move this whole, uh, his, his whole conversation with the Galatians into a, kind of a new thought, but he's going to reflect back to the whole flesh-spirit thing. Check this out. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so life in the flesh, life in, like in the self, in this world— it's, it's, controlled by, uh, it's controlled by impulses and our desires and, and even our compulsions, right? It's controlled by selfishness and, and all this other stuff. A life lived in the flesh is, is really traveled on a road that's been well-traveled, well-planned out. The Bible calls it the wide gates. That's the road of the flesh. And, and, it's, and, it's, um, and it follows the flow of what people say what people dictate, what the world dictates. And before we can walk anew in the Spirit, man, we gotta, we gotta let that old junk go, just fall aside, just, just, just put it behind us. 
God has something new for us. We have to put aside the demands that other people want to make on you. Put aside your old habits. Put aside those old thoughts that tell you you're not good enough or that you can't do that or you shouldn't be doing that. All those things just have to drop aside. Paul would say that the flesh needs to be crucified. And you know what happens when you crucify something? You kill it. It is killed. It's gone. And so life in the Spirit does not begin by... It doesn't begin by a lot of doing. Life in the Spirit begins by us being before God with our hands open and allowing Him to do the work that only He can do. See, it's not about copying someone else. It's not about filling someone's order. It's about, are you willing to take a risk with God and surrender your life over to Him? I mean, that's a scary place to be. We all say, yeah, we love to, yeah, we're going to do that. We're Christian. That's what we do. Really? Is that what you're really doing? Old habits, old reactions, old expectations, even your old accomplishments. Let me tell you something. I've learned in my life that even the best, most biggest things I have ever accomplished on my own, in my own strength, pale in comparison to even the smallest thing accomplished by God in the newness of his spirit. Pale in comparison. Abundant life, fullness of life, God life. The life of the spirit can can only be moved when we be in front of the Lord and give him control over something we don't have control over anyway. I mean, you might think you have control over your life, but I just have one word that describes that. Ha! (laughs) You have your own words, I see. That's good. When we give our self-centered thoughts and thinking and feeling and and dreaming and and all these actions, that's, that's when we begin to see and allow the Spirit to work within us. But here's the kicker, you know, and this is what I, and like I said before, that's hard to do, man. You know, giving up your life and control of it, that's very difficult to do, to walk in the way of the Spirit because it's so easy to fall right back into the old faults, fall right back into the old habits, fall right back into those old desires, all the old junk that God wants to free us from. We always seem to get like, it's always like pulling at us. It's always tugging at us. We, we have this freedom, but I don't know, maybe it's because, because bondage is much more comfortable, and so we like to maybe go back there and dip our feet and then just feel the water a little bit and say, oh yeah, okay. Now, and, and, and so it's really difficult to, 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 to stay there. And Paul is like, man, don't, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't do it. Don't do it. You've gotten this freedom. You've gotten this far. No. And then, and then, he, then he says this. Check this out. I love this. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So he begins with this 15 um, characteristics of just sheer ugliness. And then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which is really just the freedoms that we have to create in this world. And then he goes back to this. He goes, listen, don't fall back into the old ways. 
Because living a life that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God calls you to is not about you showing yourself worthy. It's not about some vain display of your own self-worth. It's not you trying to outdo someone so that you look better than someone else. It's not trying, I would even say that it's not even trying to, to copy what somebody else is doing, that you try to mimic them or emulate somebody else, no matter how good they may be, no matter how good it might look. You know, when I was um, early off in my ministry as a pastor, uh, one of the things that I was going to have to do is preach. Now, understand that, um, you know, seminary, when I was there, uh, well, okay, when I, I never went to seminary, so they never really taught me how to, I had no idea how to preach. I didn't know how to prepare. I mean, I know he had, he had to pray, but I had no idea what I had to do to prepare to preach and to deliver a good sermon. Who knew? Like, they just get up and they talk. How hard can it really be? But then I got a little bit nervous because now I had to do, I remember the first sermon I ever gave, I was terrified terrified you know when you sweat beyond what is normal for you you ever get into one of those situations i mean like i could feel it running down my back i mean i was i just i was not prepared for what i was going to get myself into and preaching was going to be a really big part of what i did and so what I did was I said, okay, I got to learn how to do this. So I started listening to, to big name pastors online, you know, uh, Matt Chandler and, and Rob Bell at the time when he, when he was decent. And, and so there, there were some other guys too. And I remember going, okay, okay, they're doing this. Okay, and they, and they slide a joke in there. Well, that's a good joke. I'll have to take that joke. Uh, they do it this way. And so I kind of ebbed and flowed in this whole, you know, trying to emulate these guys. And they're good guys. There was biblical guys, I mean, preaching and, and they knew how to do it. And I started to try to do it like they would do it. And I would try a little Chandler this week. And then I'd try a little Bell next week. And then Driscoll, I never could understand him. So I tried him only once or twice, but then I didn't like him. So I'd always go back to my comfort zone. And it wasn't until I stopped trying to be someone else. And I just tried to be me that preaching became a lot less stressful. A lot less stressful. And it wasn't till then that I have this sense of freedom from the Lord. When I decided that I would allow myself to be me. And now my preaching style, for better or for worse, is mine. And it's, <laughs> someone said that. And, and, <laughs> and it's mine. And I'm not saying that you can't or you shouldn't learn from other people because there's a lot that, that people can teach us. But God has created each one of you unique and special with gifts and talents. And he has created you with those things to go out into the world and create yourself, not create yourself, but create doing it yourself, unique and special thing but in that we have to guard ourselves from not being conceited or provoking or envying each other you have been created in the image and the likeness of creator god to go out and create in this world and he's given us everything we need to do it love 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those freedoms that he's given us to create. And when we are living in those freedoms, we're, we begin to create life in new harmonies and new rhythms as we're led by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's just not going to leave it in this theoretical thing. He's actually going to give us a couple ideas of what this freedom looks like. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves. You may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Huh. For each one should carry their own load. So what we have here is kind of what this whole freedom, fruit of the Spirit thing looks like in in general. Just a few ideas. We have the freedom to create an environment of forgiveness. Imagine that, that we can create environments of forgiveness. And I will say this, forgiveness is a very creative thing. You know, just to condemn someone, to hold a grudge against them, man, that's just human nature reacting the way human nature reacts. I mean, you're just playing the game, right? Tit for tat. You're, you're reacting in the same way that, you, that somebody has come against you. And to condone somebody's behavior, somebody's wrong behavior, you know, that's, that's just lazy. I mean, you're just giving in to, to something that you don't want to deal with or some brokenness. But to do the active work of forgiveness, that is the ultimate piece of creative divine work. Ultimate because you are using what the Holy Spirit of God has given you. Forgiveness is freedom work. Forgiveness is creative work. And you're also set free to help each other. We are called, we are set free to carry each other's burdens because of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within each follower of Jesus Christ. And because you have been set free to live in freedom, you've been called to freedom, you can actually roll up your sleeves and get down and dirty to the level of that person who is being crushed by life somehow. You don't have to worry about getting your hands dirty because it doesn't bother you because you are free because of the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and all those other things that you can come alongside the brothers and the sisters. And when they're down and crushed, you can lift them up. And maybe you can even begin to carry their burden. Or maybe we can say, carry their cross. And you can dust them off and clean them off and set them back on the journey again. This is the freedom that the fruits of the Spirit gives us. Jesus, Jesus ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. And just so you know, they weren't highly favored back in his day in the social context. He, would, he took time out to play with children Children weren't looked at as as much value until they can actually work. Jesus touched people with leprosy. 
And there were no antibiotics or no, no antibiotic schmutz so he can wash his hands after. Jesus carried the burden of the entire world on his shoulders. And he has given us the things that we need, the freedom to create an environment of helping each other. And then Paul goes in and he says, you know what? We are free to actually be responsible. <laughs> Imagine that. We are free to be responsible. He said, we have to test like the things in our life and the things that we're doing. But you have to begin to live your life. Live in the freedoms that have been given to you. Live in grace. Live in mercy. Live in love. Live in all of those things. But take responsibility for your actions. Both the good and the bad. Take responsibility for maybe your inaction. But you have that freedom to do so. Maybe we can say, that therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so that gives us the, the freedom to be responsible for the things that we do and don't do, for the things that we say and don't say. He says, test your work. Hold it up, hold it up to the light of Christ. Not so that you can get into heaven or get more brownie points or get your prayer jar filled, but, but, just, but just be responsible for the things that you say, the things that you do. Know when, know when life is too heavy and the burden is too great for you to go it alone. And ask for help. But also you have to learn to begin to deal with the normal pressures and brokenness that we all experience in our life. And when you begin to, to be able to, to come under those things and under the weight and stand firm in the freedom that you have in Christ, then the focus comes off of you constantly and you begin to look out and to see other people. And then you can come alongside them and you can carry their burdens. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's, that's the paint. Those are the brushes. It's the canvas. It's the pencils for the follower of Jesus to go out into this world and create beautiful masterpieces. So I want to encourage you all that you have been created by the Creator to go and create in this world new harmonies and new rhythms, God harmonies and God rhythms. And so, if I can encourage you to get off your butt, one T, this is church, okay? But I don't have the time. But I don't. I don't. But I don't. I don't have. I don't have the resources, but I don't know the Bible well enough. But I don't, but I don't, but I don't, but I can't, but I don't, but I should have, but I can't, but I, you know, stop. You've been created in the image and likeness of God and empowered to live a creative, to be a creative force in this world.
pray. God, I want to thank you for your grace, your mercy, and I want to thank you for the gifts that you give your church to go out and live and move and just be Jesus to the world. God, I know that even in myself, man, I struggle back and forth. I'm getting pushed and pulled by flesh and spirit. But God, help us all to move in the spirit. Just a little bit more every day. Just a little bit more every day. And let us treat each other with grace. Let us treat each other with mercy. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.